Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. In today's episode, we welcome back Michael from DTR Trading. He shares his process of crossing the seven-figure trader mark, the importance of building core trading habits, and how to get rid of limiting beliefs that stand in your way of success. A big thank you to our sponsor, Roback Clothing. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Enjoy. Hello, Michael. Welcome back to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, It's been a pleasure to be back on. Well, uh, last time we had you on, you were not a millionaire. <laughs> That's true. A lot <laughs> has changed in the last like six months. It has been a wild journey. I am exhausted. <laughs> well, welcome to the podcast as a millionaire. Um you tell let's get into your secret so so you passed a million dollars in your trading account is that is that yeah, what it is pretty much i mean i've had to take some out for taxes and stuff like that but sure. um over the course of the last like 14 months i've scaled my account from about 100k to a little bit over 1.1 million at this point so did a like one mil in net profit um, so, I mean, it's been an incredible journey, live streamed all of those trades for my members. It's been like an absolute blast. Uh, like yesterday, I looked back through my YouTube and had like 280 live streams that it took me to, to kind of get there. And it has been like a, an electric journey where I have learned so much. Um, and it's kind of really just all started from sort of the, the core foundations, right, that you need to learn as a trader. Sort of the way I was trading when I was you know, trying to build up to a 100K account, it's pretty much the same way I've been trading you know, that my, now that my position sizing is like 10, 15 X what it used to be. And so those like kind of foundational skills have been what have allowed me to get here. It's more just now been like a, a numbers game or like a amount of time to get here. And the market slowed down a ton, which slowed me down a lot as well. But um, as long as you can kind of survive until you can thrive, then, you know, you take your lumps. And then when the finally things pick up, you can catch those big, big wins and really kind of clear your milestones that you're looking for. So how did you celebrate? Uh, so this weekend, I'm flying to Paris. Uh, I'm going to go see a match with, uh, go see Leo Messi play a match, go have a beef bourguignon at my favorite restaurant. Do a quick, quick little run around the city, and then I'm flying back on Monday. I love that. Yeah, Paris is my favorite city in the world. It's, uh, yeah, booked it a few days ago, and I'm so stoked. I can't wait. Are you going alone? Uh, so I've actually got a few friends that are going to meet me from my time in London. We're going to get really, really drunk <laughs> and have a lot of fun. And uh, I'll try to see my sister when I'm there. She lives in the UK, so I'll do a quick little stopover. But, uh, yeah, it's been... I haven't got much sleep in the last like 10 days or so. And it's just been like, yeah, heart racing, mind racing, all these like ideas that you thought you, you could do all of a sudden they're like real. And you're like, oh, this is kind of like what reality is all of a sudden. And uh, yeah, this is kind of like my way of little celebrating. I, I try not to uh, be too flashy or like any of that kind of stuff. I live a pretty simple life, but I love to travel. I like to take pictures and uh, Paris is like the perfect city for that. Uh, I, you know, I'm a photographer. I, yeah. Professional. Yeah. Uh, what kind of camera do you have? So I'm a Leica guy. Um, Ooh. So I've got a, yeah, I've got a Leica M10. Um, I've been using the rangefinder for a few years. Um, back in the day, I was like a Canon guy for a while. Um, but then I got kind of used to shooting a little bit of film and I was uh, pretty addicted to like the rangefinder experience. And then now it's all about that Leica glass. Like once you get that beautiful lens system, it's like impossible to move on to anything else because your eye just gets too snobby. That's the snobbiest photo thing I've ever heard. But, <laughs> but I, under, I hear you. Yeah, like it's it's so much fun. I mean, the I think I think cameras and like photography is really similar to trading to a certain extent, where it's like really easy to obsess over like the gear and the um, like the flash or like the lens that you have, but that doesn't take a good picture. Like yes, like technically, okay, maybe it's like really sharp and in focus. But the composition and the little details of actually what make that picture are what make it good, right? So a professional photographer can take a better picture on an iPhone than, than your six-year-old, right, can with like the $20,000, $30,000 camera setup. And so it, that's sort of the same thing with trading, right? Like if you can find those really strong, good, clean setups, then it doesn't really matter what equipment or, you know, what laptop or what you're executing it on. You can kind of just take advantage of whatever the market's given you. Totally. 
totally. I cannot tell you the number of times that I've been, you know, I do architecture, that I've been um, photographing something and there's been people there and they'll say something like, well, all it takes is a good camera, right? Or like something that's like <laughs> yeah. so insulting. Or like, like oh, well, if I just had that skill, lens right? or, and you're like, what goes off in somebody's mind to like Be, I feel like we see that everywhere though, right? Where it's like if you do something really, really well, when you do it at that like top level, you make it look easy because totally. you've removed all those friction points, right? Yeah. And then when you're like an onlooker and you haven't experienced that before, you're not super familiar with this, like, oh, like yeah, of course this person's making it so easy. I could do that. Like that's the easiest thing in the world. And then you kind of get like that imposter syndrome. You spend ten thousand dollars on a camera. And then realize like you're only going to get two likes on Instagram because your composition is, is pretty crap. So it's totally. like and, – and then that discourages you, right? You stop trading or you stop taking pictures and you stop doing these things because you're not the pro right away. And that's – it's an unfortunate reality of sort of like this chasing culture we have. Totally. Actually, I can make another parallel to my art. I put – I have a new background. Mm-hmm. If – for all of you YouTube watchers, I did change this. Um, so that's mine. And I now like, I shoot on a Canon, um, cause it is just, just so fast, right? It, yes. And I've got the mirrorless one and I've been a Canon girl my whole life. I just like, I'm Canon girl, but I now am at a place in my art career where like, I am so damn bougie. Like that is built <laughs> on a custom wood cradle that is hand built by a man like hand sanded hand gessoed it is so expensive and yeah. i'm like i i'm now like what well, like i i refused <laughs> to like paint without it and like the quality of materials is like the best money can buy but i sell the pieces so of course yeah it's all free to me now i've just made it at a point in my career where i can I have the luxury of using the very best. And the pleasure of using those tools makes you like embrace your creativity even more, right? Like you come excited to want to go paint. Totally. If you put out paint that is the most expensive oil paint money can buy, it is like butter. It is like, Oh, I bet the colors must pop so much more and just like all the little details. Right. And like the smell just hits you the right way. Like, all those little things, they all somehow add up subconsciously, right? To, totally. to trick us into thinking like this is the most expensive or this is the most incredible. And then somehow that translates into our art totally. or into your yeah. creating. Um, and I remember when I first started my painting career, I was talking to my sister and she was like, well, why don't you just paint? And I was like, oh, because canvases are expensive. And like at that time, I'm talking about you go to your local art store and buy the cheapest possible canvas Mm -hmm. and it's like $80 and you're like, I can't mess this up. Like this is $80 in it, you know? And then now I'm at a point where I'm like, if I mess one of those up, I'm like, yeah, I'll just paint over it. Yeah. That's what it is. So So you've almost like created yourself like a margin of error, right? So like you've, you've almost, uh, I think that's what we can kind of relate, relate this to trading to a certain extent, right? If you've got 500 bucks in your account and you're trading that every single 500 bucks, every single trade, you have zero margin for error. So if you make a mistake, if you, uh, take a losing trade, you blow up because yeah, you, you paint, you can't paint over that cheap crappy canvas. And so you panic and you make another bad decision and it keeps compounding. But now that you have right, that, that sort of like comfort or that sort of safety behind it, then, you know, look how much more calm you are, right? If you make a mistake or how something, you know, if you, uh, you know, you don't want to like paint over this certain area or your composition is screwed up. Well, you know that you can fix it because you've dealt with it before. You know that you can bounce back and we can create that same feeling for ourselves in trading, right? With our position sizing, with sort of those proactive decisions that we make before we enter a decision. So if you want to feel like you're in control, if you want to feel like you can paint over your mistake or like that you can bounce back from a losing trade, then you just need to size your plays to always make sure that you can, right? So instead of going all in on every play, you focus on maybe only risking 2% or 1%, maybe 10% of your account, right? But you create an opportunity where you can survive those sort of red days or you can survive those sort of mistakes because you are a good trader. Most people are actually really good traders. They're just really bad at risk management and they choose to ignore it consistently because it's not sexy, it's not fun, 
And then they constantly just spin themselves in circles over and over again, repeating the same mistakes. And so if you don't create yourself that sort of like buffer or sort of that variance for you to survive on, then you're never going to turn it into a career. And if you didn't find a way to do that with your painting, I'm sure you wouldn't be a professional artist right now. You, you would have failed out somewhere along the way. And so it's important to think, right, what's the best thing for ourselves? Not right now, but what's best for my account tomorrow or what's best for my account like six months from now. And when we can make those decisions, then you can accomplish incredible goals and like it scales so much faster than you think. So it, it's crazy, um, like even for myself, right, how much has changed over the last 14 months. And so just seeing just ha ha how much, you know, your life can change in such a short period of time. It's incredible, right? And maybe for some people, your life changes at $5,000, maybe it changes at $50,000, but you're not going to get there until you actually have those correct risk management skills to sustain those moves. And then when you actually do build up that skill set on a small account, when you do get to trading that 100K account or trading that million dollar account like I am, nothing changes, right? You have that muscle memory that you've now relied on for two years or 14 months or however long it's been. So it, you know, the mental challenge of then taking those losses of taking those hits isn't there anymore, or it's not as painful because you've leveled up right appropriately along the way you've scaled up as your kind of account has, and you've learned the skills needed to sort of sustain that growth. And that's the most important thing I think for traders to embrace, especially right now when markets aren't the easiest, right? We're being choppy. We're not getting consistent follow through. We're in probably one of the nastiest bear markets since like early 2000s. So, you know, we need to sort of put ourselves in situations where we're consistently surviving, right? So that when the market does turn, we can't take advantage. When we get that, you know, 2020 lows, like we had a couple of years ago, we can pounce and we can take advantage of those conditions to then, you know, kind of establish our empires from there. Bo. Blaine. We're hat twins. Yeah, we are. <laughs> Yeah, we are. I'm so excited that we're sponsored by Roback now. I have been wearing my gear ever since it came in the mail, and I love the colors, but I especially love this little dog. I wore him to the pool last night, and people were giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, this stuff is awesome. I had um, heard about it before and always wanted some, but now that I have it, it has exceeded all of my expectations. Is this your first time receiving a gift in the mail from a company and like opening it and checking out the product? Uh, it might be. It certainly is associated with the podcast. I was, I, I have gotten those before and I was blown away by the quality of this product. It far exceeded what I thought that it would be. And I truly think I'm just going to like live in it all fall. Yeah. It's so comfortable. Yeah. I, I've been playing golf a lot this summer. And so I like all my golf gear. But the thing about golf shirts is like the sleeves are always too long and they're always too baggy. And like, you know, I'm relatively in shape guy. So this fits me perfectly. I still have full range of my arms to swing a golf club. And like I could wear this doing anything, not just golf. Like they got hoodies they got quarter zips it's like nice and stretchy i love every single thing i got me too me too i love it it all looks so good together it's part of a set and i feel so thrilled to be able to offer our listeners a 20 percent off code which is penny 20 <laughs> all right so you go to roback.com which is r-h-o B-A-C-K dot com and you just enter Penny 20, you get 20% off and thank us when your order arrives because it's lovely. You also know how much I love uh, opening experience. Like I'm, I'm such a snob about packaging and the way things are presented and it was a treat. Yeah, the shit's awesome. I'm not like, yeah. don't even have to like, I would just promote this to anybody regardless of a sponsor or whatever because this shit slaps. Also, you've already been like low key pumping out the penny 20 to your closest friends because you really believe in it. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm sending this to all my friends because it's shit I think that they're going to want anyways. So, you know, why not take advantage of the discount and rep it everywhere? Totally. Thank you, Roback. We appreciate you. Totally. Um, <clears throat> I had a couple things I wanted to say. The first one was... Um, so I'm going to use this again, the painting behind me. You see the hot pink on there? Yeah. So that's like a very big risk. I remember the first time I did it, like hot pink is a shocking color. It's not like, it's such a neutral palette in people's homes. Like 
there were so many sort of risks with putting kind of a shocking color like that in. And whenever I'm going to do something like that that I know is a risk and outside what I normally do, I always say to myself, it's okay because I've never failed since I've been a professional artist. I've never once failed to make a canvas come together in a way that I like. Mm-hmm. And that uh, that knowledge and that power that comes with like, it is okay to take a risk because I can trust myself to always sort of to bounce back the risk or whatever yeah. is only something that I am now feeling for the first time in the last probably two months in my trading. And I could attribute that 100% to just always taking the exact same position size. And I didn't really understand that before. It's it's one of those things that got said to me over and over and over and over. And I was like, yeah, risk management. Like, of course, I'm careful. Like, but it wasn't until... I swear, and oh, and then people would be like, okay, we'll spend X amount per trade. And I would literally be like, well, I'm bad at math. So I'll just like, appro- I had all these excuses yeah. for like why I couldn't do it. And then in working uh, with Ariel, you know, I'm wor- I work with Ariel now every morning and most nights and throughout the day. And I'm being so transparent with him. And that nothing I mean I've changed some things in my trading but the but just taking I now can take a two thousand dollar position size that is that's That's what I'm allowed to take and knowing that and sticking to that has been so free it is like putting the hot pink on the canvas it's like gives me the freedom to be like you can take a risk because you're safe because you it's know been, that if you fail, that you've got the, the systems in place to not yeah. fail badly, right? To right. then be in a situation where you just need to go one paint stroke over, right? To cover that mistake or to, you know, to, to blend it in or whatever, right? Like you never have to do like a full reset, right? If you take small losses, if you take paper cut hits, it's never like this catastrophic reset, right? Right. Um, I think I talked about this on the last time I was on the pod, but it's pretty much impossible to make like a hundred incorrect decisions in a row. And so if you're sizing your positions, right, sizing your play for that reality, you're not going to fail as a trader unless you're literally the least lucky human that has ever existed. And at some point, if you're like 60 trades in and you're not just reversing, like you're not doing a Costanza of all of your emotions, then you were never going to make it anyway, right? But yeah. that that's sort of the reality, right? It should be impossible to trade. But what makes trading so difficult is that it punishes you for making two mistakes in a row. So you can make one mistake as a trader, right? You can take a bad play, but if you then choose to average down, right? And make that position bigger, or you choose to ignore your stop loss, or you choose to not take your profit or choose to, um, you know, a variety of different trading mistakes that come in, you then give away all, all of those gains, right? And you compound negative decisions against you. So the power of trading, right? Is that the compounding works in both ways, right? When you start making bad decisions, it compounds against you and you start to blow up really quickly because you go bigger and bigger position sizing, you take more and more risks, right? You compromise more and more of your system. And each bad decision that you make makes the next easy makes the next bad decision easier to do, right? But totally. it's the same thing if you go the opposite side. So like you said, right? Now you've been working with someone, you've been fully transparent, right? You you've got that kind of like um, almost like motivation to try to not almost be like embarrassed to try to share this information, right? Where it keeps you honest with yourself to the point where now that honesty is translating into every other element of your trading, right? Where you're honest with, okay, I need to keep my stop loss here. I need to size my positions this way. I need to manage my risk in this way. And when you can answer all those questions before you enter the trade, that's when that anxiety totally disappears or fades quite a bit because you're now in control. You understand the terms of the deal that you've negotiated, right? And it's much easier to then accept that when it comes to that point, right? So if you're saying, okay, I'm only gonna lose 400 bucks on this trade. I'm only losing 500 bucks on this trade. Good, right? That's a fantastic place to be, but you then need to put yourself in a situation where it comes to making that decision, right? Where it's when you're down 500 bucks to hit that stop loss, right? And so, but if you like compound those positive decisions, right? You plan these things out, 
making that decision then becomes habitual, becomes like muscle memory where you don't have to think about it. You're just doing it because you know that if I follow this plan, if I follow, you know, stick to my risk management plan, then I know I can keep trading a numbers game. When I keep trading a numbers game, then I know that I can become a successful trader and accomplish all my goals. When I cheat myself of that discipline, I cheat myself of future gains. So it's not that I'm robbing myself of P&L right now. Yeah, that hurts, right? Losing a hundred bucks, losing a thousand dollars, that stings. But it's those bad habits, right? That when you build those bad habits that cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars two years from now, three years from now, right? Because you're not learning the skills or you're not respecting the skills that you need to respect to actually make money in the market. So it's all about, like you say, that risk management, right? Because then it's so much easier to just sustain, right? Moves you can bounce back. You're not coming, you know, home to your kids or home to your family, all all depressed and distraught. You can smile. You can be sort of a functional human being. And that's all a proactive decision you're making before you enter a trade. So to hear that you're, you're saying that, Penny, I, I mean, I couldn't be any happier for you. That's a fantastic place to be. It certainly feels a lot better. And you and started swing trading too, right? Yeah. So right now I am very narrowly focused on, like, it is not a good market for swing trading. It's just no. not. <laughs> Things are failing. Um, But I'm super committed to this, to trusting this process. Um, And right now I'm about even swing Mm -hmm. trading, but being even is great, actually. Like I would take even all the time uh, compared to huge losses. But there's levels, right? Like there's levels to being a trader and going from big losses to, to not losing big and not winning big. That's a much better place to be. That's a much higher level in your trading career than random wins, random losses. Totally. Um, So I am going to learn how to swing trade. It's the Mark Minervini method is essentially what Ariel teaches. And it is a grind. It is a, they, they teach you in painting, like trust the process, follow the process. Don't focus on the results. Mm -hmm. And God, is that true? Like, it is the most true thing I know. And I am doing that with swing swing trading. I'm seeing the setups. I'm taking a proper position size. I'm always honoring the stops. I'm learning how to take gains. Um, I'm also learning how to detach myself from unrealized gains. And that seems like third level, fourth level (laughs) trading, right? Like, being able to stay calm when I'm up or... And or let a trade come back to me and stop me out at even, but know that I was holding for a bigger winner and know that I didn't lose anything on the trade is like, like I'm in oh, the matrix. Having that to... lottery ticket is the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Like that, because then, then the risk, you have nothing to lose. Like you nothing can be as lose. aggressive, you can be as however you want, right? Like I would say that has probably been the secret. Like if I could say anything has helped me get to like making a million bucks has been that every time I'm up 10% in a trade, I push my stop loss to above break even. So I'm always taking profit off. I'm always locking in profit. I'm always pushing my stop loss up. And then I can let that thing run for however long I want. I can let it run for a week. I can let it run for a month. It doesn't matter, right? I've got zero risk. So worst case scenario, I make a couple hundred bucks. Best case scenario, I've now tripled like 30K, right? Yep. And that's like, and, there's, and I've got nothing, nothing I have to do there, right? There's no emotion when I've got that risk-free. There's, there's nothing there. But you only get to that process, right, when you have a, like a systematic, right, approach. Because you're not going to feel like you can have these decisions, right, like that you know that you're going to push your stop loss up or that you're going to manage your position unless that's like a predetermined, right, really conscious effort, right? Yeah. So what you've been saying, what you've been doing with Ariel is you're consistently doing, like you're building that muscle memory, right? You're trading the same setup. You're trading the same position sizing. You know exactly where your stop loss is. Like you, if you close your eyes, I'm sure you can practically visualize, right, the types of setups and what you want your trade to look like before you enter. And so yeah. once you're at that point, right, that's awesome because now you're just like need to make a few little tweaks to then try to like maximize just a little bit more, right? And so you're yeah. very, very close and that's like a fantastic place to be. How, how long have you been doing this now for? Okay, this this new Two sort months. of system. Okay, perfect. But so this syncs up. Okay, so um, I tried to rant a little bit. Back in my hedge fund days, um, we had a three-month training program. So you are pretty much spot on 
on pace on what that program was designed. So first month, it's like take your lumps, trust the, trust the process, like learn the technical skills. Month two, like try to break even, try to survive, right? Like try to figure out, like refine a little bit. And then month three should be where you kind of double down on the things that you're good at, right? Look at your trading journal, focus on sort of your personal strengths, and then only do those things. And then that should help you get to that sort of profitable like third month. Totally. Well, I have a bit of a leg up because I've worked with Ariel for a long time. Like I used his system date. I'm just very, very familiar with his system and the EMAs and it, we've just lengthened it mm -hmm. um, to be more of a swing trade. When I was working with him before, it was like intraday swings, but we were doing small caps and that market kind of fell apart. But, but I am... I'm very familiar with this system. So now I am like sticking to the system and that that's a totally different. And it creates confidence too, right? Totally. Yeah. 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 I closed my account. To, so I'm also scalping um, spy and IWM with Hugh Henney. I'm using his levels on that. Um, and that is like fish in a barrel because the trade plan is literally like, if it breaks above this level and confirms, you can trade it to this level. Yeah. And those are small scalps, but like it literally gives you the entry where to stop out and where to take profit. So it's like that's giving me a lot of confidence too. Mm -hmm. It's almost like like I was trying to bat in the major leagues and now I have a T. And I'm just like right. ripping home runs, right? Like that is it's a easy way to trade. But I have to be very, very um, focused with myself. Like I, the way I trade is I swing trade and I will scalp like SPY or IWM. And that is it. Mm -hmm. And I can't just be like, oh, Netflix is running. Let me like hop yeah, in there. Yeah. Or like, uh, uh, like all this shit that I used to do. It is like nothing matters mm -hmm. so, except like the this thing. <laughs> The metaphor that I used to get told all the time is if you're getting dragged from like both sides and you got, you know, one setup pulling you in this direction, you got another setup pulling you in this direction and you're just constantly staying, you're picking between back and forth, you're just staying in the exact same spot, right? So you're, you're playing a tug of war for yourself where you're not seeing any progress, right? So pick one side, figure out what your setup is, right? Figure out what your actual strength is and then just double down on your strengths, right? Your strengths and my strengths are going to be different in the market. And so it's important that you don't try to trade like anyone else besides yourself, right? Right. A million ways to win as a trader, but there's only one way to lose. And so if you really focus on those risk management principles, then your personality as a trader can really shine. And you can, like you say, compound that confidence, right? Build those good habits, feel really positive about your trading progress. And then that makes it so much easier to take a red day, to feel like you can bounce back, to know that that next green day is right around the corner because you've now got 60 days, right, of good trading habits that you can rely on. And it only takes 21 days, right, to create a new habit. So all of a sudden, you've rewired all these connections in your brain. You've changed the dopamine hits that you've kind of consistently gone for. And you're trading the way you're supposed to trade. You're trading the yeah. way like all institutional traders trade, right? Everyone gets like a sector, 10 names. They get some sort of combination that they trade and they don't look at anything else besides that. And they focus yeah. on those same tickers day in, day out. I always say the scanner is like an invention to rip off the retail trader because it forces you to FOMO into so many plays. You're constantly chasing. You're constantly looking for that next hit. And then you're using the scanner to like reverse engineer previous wins that you had when there's not, it's not really how it works, right? Like just because you had a $2 million float on some name and short interest doesn't mean it's going to short squeeze every time. Like you're not going to catch Wall Street with their pants down on every single play. And so you have to be a little bit more methodical and not try to just like, this worked one time and I'm going to keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, or keep looking for that same thing. You have to be a little bit more like logical, right? It's got to be a bit more back tested. It's got to be a little bit more of a benchmark for you to actually rely on before you want to say like, hey, I, I'm all in, let's go. So the fact that you understand Ariel's system really well, you've got a lot of contextual history with it. Again, right, that just compounds that, that confidence that you're creating for yourself as a trader. And that only means good things for your account going forward. Totally. I also am so lucky that I have that history of doing that Apple challenge. Like, that, uh, that's another invaluable thing, learning when enough is enough or to like, take your profits and walk away is something yeah. that I like had and lost. 
and then and then realized how valuable yeah i mean the especially with options i mean the leverage makes moves so exaggerated so quickly right um i i think fintwit has like kind of like weird tinted glasses for how they view options gains because everyone's like swinging for 70 percent 80 percent 100 percent do you know how much like a pension fund would kill for a 10 percent return in 20 minutes like they would die for those kind of returns right so you know if we could just compound those small wins on a consistent basis right one percent a day doubles your account every 70 trading days and that's not very much right that's one 10 percent win risking one percent of your account per trade and so you know like one percent after stop loss right but and you know it's that's not very much like that's easy to do and you only need one two trades a day max to be able to achieve those targets and you'll make a lot more money that way than if you try to swing you know for that you know home run every time i mean it's baseball playoff season right now and i'm not a huge baseball fan but i did play quite a lot as a kid and what you notice right is when you swing really really hard and you get kind of crappy contact right you don't hit that ball square in the bat you're still getting like a ground out or you're pop flying it or something along those lines right but if you just swing like with a controlled controlled swing you hit that ball where you're supposed to it just explodes off your bat, right? And that's the same thing with trading. When you have a consistent, repeatable process that you can rely on, that's sort of based on those fundamentals, where you're just slow, consistent swing each time, you're going to hit those home runs because it's just a numbers game, right? They come from you doing the same process that you do all the time. And those big wins, to a certain extent, are a little bit of luck, right? You got a little bit lucky with your perfect entry, got a little bit lucky that you can get stopped out, right? And then it runs. No one hits 100% every single day if they did, they would be trillionaires, right? So don't buy the noise that people are pitching you on social media. It's so bullshitted. It's so much Photoshop. There's so many like just scams that are being shown out there that are creating this FOMO for traders that makes them think, oh man, 10% wins, not enough. Like I need to get uh, 50% or I need to get a thousand percent because XYZ account posted their huge gain on on spy calls. And so that forces you to then not trade like yourself, right? You're trying to trade like someone else and you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and putting yourself in a situation where you're no longer making decisions that are best for your trading account, right? You're going for that dopamine hit. You're trading because you want to feel a little bit more. But if you just focus on those 10% moves, right? You focus on those small little wins. That's when you can find that sustained success when you can really start doubling your account, tripling your account, right? Really upping that position sizing. And then if you trade that way as well, right? Same thing. You never have those crazy aggressive drawdowns, right? You're never losing 20% of your account per day. You're moving and climbing in a sustained and controlled fashion to the point where you actually have that proof of concept. So maybe you got some rich dad or you got like a rich uncle or something like that. You can show them six months of gains on a consistent like consistent level, they'll give you cash to invest, right? They'll give you money. There's funding services that will give you money, right? They'll do profit share. So if you really want to scale, right, there's a thousand different opportunities out there available for you, but you're never going to get there until those core habits are actually where you need them to be. Totally. Totally. Just another sort of reminder that trading is life and life is trading. Yeah. And that's not it's something that i like know and have come to realize and then sometimes hate being reminded but like oh i know because it's such like it's such a harsh reminder because there's no other job right where you can be wrong put everything like do everything correct and still lose money like that is the hardest like psychological thing to get over because it makes it so hard to trust right like three red trades in a row and you got to trust your strategy for that fourth time oh my gosh, like I, I feel like I'm I got an earthquake in my stomach, right? Like I'm so nervous for always when you place that trade. But those are like, the way I, I like to think about that in, in that context is it's like my brain trying to trick me into doing what I, it knows it's easy. So if I want to level up, if I want to take my sort of next step in, in my trade, in, in my personal life, then I have to be able to like embrace that un- uncomfortable feeling, right? Now, there's a really fine line there between sort of like, uh, uncomfortable. I trust my strategy and like, I'm blindly just going all in on a play. That's not what I mean in this context. It just means that over the course of a thousand trades, right over the course of a hundred trades, I know that my edge works. And so 
if I'm able to keep within that numbers game, that's when I'm going to be profitable, right? Every time I sort of venture outside of those parameters, every time I make those risk management mistakes, then I destroy that ability to win that numbers game. And it's impossible for me to profit as a trader. So really, really important that we just focus on, on those core skills and then everything else falls into place. Mm-hmm. It's, it's tough because, um, like, I mean, I definitely notice in my own trading, right? When I don't make my bed, like I'm a little bit like looser with my decisions. When I start skipping out on exercise, like I start, you know, having a few more like agitated feelings like during the market. So you have to be like we talked about risk management being like a proactive, not reactive process. Well, that's what you're trying to be proactive about, right? So what do you know that causes you anxiety inside the trade? Okay, most of the time it's by you haven't defined all the sort of elements that you need to know before you enter. You don't know your stop loss. You don't know your position sizing. You've just gone in you know, random price and you're hoping to take profit off at 60% or something like that. But you don't really have a trading plan. And it's the same thing, right? If you don't have a particular trading plan on how to sort of manage those emotions, or if you have sort of an emotional spike on how you're going to get back to sort of a baseline, then you don't have a risk management plan. So that for me is what risk management is, right? Where it's, okay, yes, everyone knows what a stop loss is. Everyone knows um, what position sizing is in theory. But they don't think about those other elements that actually impact their trading, right? They don't impact. They don't think about the anxiety. They don't think about the poor nights of sleep that you can get, right? That can make you make bad decisions. They don't think about how it feels like to trade if you've got the the pressure of maybe paying off your credit card bill, right? So all those little stresses, if you can then make those clean, if you can kind of answer all those questions, right? Then the anxiety reduces from inside your trading too. And so I found that the discipline in my personal life, right? Making my bed, eating well, exercising consistently, that's led to being, it's easier to make disciplined decisions in my trading career, right? Where it's easier to then trust my strategy, easier to then trust my system because I'm able to kind of rely on sort of like a, a, a consistent framework instead of trying to rely on like being an outlier inside a specific task. Yep. How old are you? Do you mind ask me asking? Yeah, I'm 29. 29. Yeah. So I'm 30. I'll be 39 on Friday. Woo! And it is, um, I mean, so much of that is is sort of growing up is what, like, with age, you do realize the importance of, like, being responsible. Or, like, you know, I talk on here so much about drinking, and I quit drinking for a while, and, like, how many times do you need to have like five white claws on a Tuesday to prove to yourself that you're not going to feel very good on a Wednesday? You know, like in the same thing with trading, like how many times do you need to take uh, four times your normal position size in puts at the low of day to realize that's a very bad, like, yeah, it's, it's not, not going to work. work. <laughs> like yeah. Maybe one out of 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's, the problem is once you start getting into those like loops, right? You talk about like that five white claws or like, um, I mean, people drink a bottle of wine at night or something like that, right? But once you start doing it once, it's like, oh, I feel bad. So because I feel bad, I'm going to do it again. And it's like becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you kind of just like you keep putting yourself back, right? Yeah. Um, this was a, I mean I, I mean, I was so lucky with sort of how I started out my trading career, but like we had psychologists, right, on staff um, that would, we had to talk to them like every week. And one of the things that they consistently talked about, right, was how, like, when you say, for me, my, I'm a stress eater. <laughs> so, like, when I have a bad day or something like that, I'm ordering, like, 5,000 calories worth of McDonald's or something like that. and sure. just, like, pounding it in. Um, but they would always remind me, right, if you're making those decisions, right, if you're um, sort of, like, encouraging or, like, rewarding your, um, like, your stress hormone or, like, that dopamine that you feel when you're stressed out, if you're rewarding that by drinking through it or smoking through it or eating through it or doing whatever, right, then it's almost like you're rewarding your body or rewarding your brain for feeling that way. And so you're creating this like feedback loop that you don't actually want to get stuck in because you're telling yourself I'm doing a bad thing, but I'm getting a reward for that thing. And so thinking in that context has actually been really helpful for me where I've been able to visualize that that a lot more. But that I remember kind of like leaving that session when I when I heard that and I was like, oh fuck, <laughs> I've got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. And like and that's that's a uncomfortable feeling, but this is not an easy like career choice or like a, an easy life. But if you do get, you know, the most out of yourself, you're then gonna get the most out of the market. So it's not that it goes 
if I get the most out of the market, I'll be able to fix my personality. I'll fix my mental health. I'll fix all these things. You're only going to get the most out of the market when you've taken care of those sort of base fundamentals first. Um, like I, I'm, I, I think it's really important that people talk about their mental health and it's not something that maybe we talk about enough in, on FinTwit, but trading is incredibly taxing for us. Losing money, getting slapped in the face, getting spat on by the market on a daily basis is a terrible, terrible, terrible feeling, right? It's the worst feeling yeah. in the world. And so, you know, it'd be fantastic if we could be all as like a, a group, like a little bit more like loud and, and open about these struggles, right? We all have these anxieties. We all have these doubts. It's not that, you know, some billionaire trader doesn't have these things. They, they all do. And so it's just that they've trained themselves, right, to when they feel their triggers or they feel their sort of like kind of breaking point happening, they've got skills developed, right, to sort of manage and bring them back down to sort of where they need to be. So for me, maybe that means if I've got like a lot of anxiety, I like to count down, right, from big numbers. So I'll count down from like 375 in threes or in sevens or something like that and try to get down all the way to zero. You can and do I find, that? It can take me a long time, but I find if I focus on doing that, then it really helps reduce that anxiety that I'm feeling inside a trade. It makes me focus on sort of my breathing, on my heart rate, on just getting the arithmetic, arithmetic down. And once I'm able to do that, then I, I find that, yeah, really helps me to kind of stay a bit more present. And so that for me is like a really big trick that I, I like to use. If, I've, if I'm thinking about making a decision, maybe I don't have 300 seconds to, to make that decision, but I'll count down from like 35 in sevens or, um, yeah, sevens is like one of my favorite numbers. So that's why I say it all the time. But, um, you know, you start to get, uh, you start to create these little skill sets, right, that you can then rely on. When you're having those moments and when you can start to notice those triggers, write them down because then you'll like, if you're able to write them down, if you're able to journal them, if you're able to kind of track your emotions, you'll more reliably pick up that pattern of when those emotions are going to start happening. So inside my trading journal, right, I always try to write down like how I felt entering the trade, how I felt managing that trade, because Oftentimes, I can then correlate that to sort of other stressors inside my personal life and, and think, okay, Michael, you need to calm this down. You need to sort this out. You need to um, maybe like maybe my dog's sick or something like that. And that's giving me anxiety and that's making me make rush decisions. And so it allows me to just step back and notice where like the break in my pattern happened so that I can go back and fix it before it escalates out of control. I love that. Um, along those lines, I have hired a life coach. I who I meet with once a week and I did not really want to do it because I was like, I don't have time. I don't have time. And like mm -hmm. also life coach is sort of a triggering term. It's like one of those right? funny millennial like social media terms. Yes. That's like, you don't need one of those, but she's, uh, she's like a therapist who helps me with my life. She's a therapist, mm -hmm. but she yeah. calls herself a life coach. And um, we have been working on, I didn't know what we were going to work on, right? I just went into it like I'm having trouble managing trading my podcast or mom, I don't know how to allocate my time. I'm just, uh, and we have like ended up focusing a lot on just building confidence and sort of talking myself through different levels of like, this is okay because I can have confidence or as a woman, like it is okay to be confident in these different Hell areas. Yeah. And that has been such a game changer for me focusing on and taking the time. Like it's an hour a week. It's not a, that's not, not a huge not, commitment. No, it, it, it right. It's, it's not a huge commitment, but at the time it feels like, it's on. Well, that's, just, that's your brain trying to trick you into doing what's easy and comfortable. Right. Right. You know that this is what's going to help you level up. And your brain's like, no, don't do this. You don't have the time. You it's trying to time. trick you right. into staying stuck. Your, our right. brains are assholes. And I can feel myself. It was sort of my shtick for a long time to be like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Or like, I don't, even on this podcast, like, oh, trading is difficult, and, and I was stuck in a kind of like, I don't know what I'm doing, this is difficult kind of thing. And making that commitment once a week to talk through my issues and focus on 
leveling up my confidence has been such a game changer in my trading because it's allowed me to be like, but you can figure this out. Like, yeah, it's course. such a throwaway for me to just be like, oh, I'm not smart enough. Or like I said with the math, like, oh, I'm not good enough at math to figure out my position size. That's a bullshit. Like, that totally. is an excuse. Yeah, it's a limiting right? belief you're imposing on yourself. Yeah. And there's no reason nobody is putting, no one is saying I'm a bad trader. Nobody is saying I don't deserve this. Like, it is all a mental thing in my yeah. own mind and being able to step into like i can be good at this and if i do x y and z there's no reason why i don't have as good of a chance or better than anybody else and that amount that having that confidence brought to my trading has been such a game changer not to mention other areas of my life and honestly it sounds like you've like really embraced that self-belief where it's like You've found a way of almost like keeping yourself accountable with this with this coach. And then that's created for you like this framework where you, you're like, oh, holy shit, like I can do this. And then now that you've kind of felt that feeling, it's addictive because totally. you, you totally want to keep feeding that feeling. Like you totally want to keep like going in, you keep wanting to doubling down, like keep improving. And that's like so much fun. So I, I love to hear that because the, the one thing I see a lot with traders uh, especially is if you've dealt with losing for like six months or a year or since you started trading, your belief is, oh, fuck, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. I'm not smart enough. I don't have a Harvard MBA, so who would hire me anyway? All this kind of stuff, right? That's a limiting belief, right? You're imposing something on yourself that isn't true. Trading is not that technically difficult. I mean, like there's enough strategies out there that you can learn pretty easy that are just like basic if-then statements, right? What's difficult about trading is, like you say, that mental discipline, that emotional discipline, that having that self-belief to know that, hey, this is going to work out just fine for me. I'm going to be okay. I just have to keep doing what I'm doing and I will get there. And if you then make your actions match your beliefs, that's when it happens really, really fast, right? So all of a sudden, now you're saying, I believe this. I know I can do it. And then you're journaling your trades. You're following your proper risk management. You're trading with a plan every single time. Well, again, right, you're back to compounding those positive decisions that then reinforce that self-belief. So it encourages further growth. It encourages further progress. And then your PL has no choice but to catch up, right? It's going to catch up to you. You're not going to catch up to it. So you need to improve as an individual before you can trade the sort of account size that you're wanting, right? And there's a secret. Like the, the, the secret here is that everyone wants to like level up their life, right? Everyone dreams about driving a fancier car or they do the math to think about, Oh, if I trade like this for six months, I'll be able to buy a, a house in the Bahamas or whatever, right? Well, those goals are awesome, but don't give in to that dopamine hit of like feeling that, oh, just because I looked at a, a G-Wagon on AutoTrader that it's now my car, right? Focus, find your goals, fo find things that you want to work on, right? But keep moving those goalposts, kind of create yourself like these, like what you think are impossible targets and then find yourself constantly breaking through that glass ceiling and when you do, like the high that you get of accomplishing that is unbelievable. Like it is the most addictive feeling in the world and it makes it so much easier, like you say, right? To survive that learning time because, hey, you know that it's going to be just okay. Totally. You know, every week it is addicting to go back and not only have done the things that I told her that I would do, like that is like, is it approval? I love approval, right? Mm -hmm. So like that is great. But Every week I say to myself, for example, I have this new show that I was telling you about before we got on here with Anthony Crudelli, and I feel, I kind of can't believe that happened to me. Um, I mean, he is uh, such He's a- He's a superstar. Like, he is. Yeah. He is, and I get to talk to him on the phone every single day, and he's telling me things about trading that- it's like not even, you can't even put a monetary value on it. And I'm getting to learn from someone who's been in the pit, like yeah. doing it. Yeah, he's, and, he's an OG, right? You don't, yes. you, don't, you don't get many pit traders anymore. Like, no. The last of that generation. And that's uh, that's a psycho breed. It Totally. And I'm here <laughs> yeah. for it. I yeah, it's like awesome. It. <laughs> it's um, so much fun. So I get on the call with my coach every week and I'm like, I am so lucky. 
I keep saying that phrase, like, I am so lucky. Things just mm -hmm. keep kind of working out for me. And every single time she's like, stop. Like, take it's credit not, for it. Like, you are putting good things yeah. into the universe. You're taking active steps. You're taking risks. Like, you are reaping all the goodness that you're putting out. And yeah, you're take responsibility proactive. for your success. Yeah. Right? And that's it's, awesome. It's like, that's been such a paradigm shift for me as well of like, oh, maybe I deserve. I am good life. enough to do this. Yeah. Right? Like, it, this is the life for me. Like, I, I, like you said, I do deserve this. Like, people do want this for me. Like, it, all those reinforcing beliefs, right? They only get reinforced because your actions are supporting your beliefs. Right? Like, that's so, honestly, such a, what a fantastic thing to hear, Penny. Like, I, I'm so thrilled. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, as I do with every episode, uh, was someone said to me about the podcast that I need to shut up more and let the guests talk more. And I've been actively trying to work on that. And it's like, I cannot get out of my own way. I get like a one-on-one -on -one with someone I really respect. And I'm like, let's just really get into like, I mean, I'm going to, I'm not going to speak for everyone listening, but I think it's more fun when it's a back and forth because I don't like talking just about myself. That's boring. So if you got that one hater, fuck him. <laughs> he sucks. He can send me a message like, or she can send me a message. Like if you got any hate for Penny, direct it my way at DTR trading. I got it. I'll take it. I can deal with it. I will clap back. Good luck. Well, now that you have crossed, well, first of all, thank you. Um, now that you've crossed this million dollar mark, have you dealt with any kind of imposter type syndrome or do you know that it is a result of the hard work and the systems you've put in place and you expected it to happen and you've been foreseeing it long enough that you're able to really grasp it and live it? Yeah, great question. So um, I would say I was really, really good at staying like present in the moment, um, not thinking about it too much until about the last like 100K. Um, then it, it kind of like hit me where I was like, oh fuck, I'm about to accomplish like, <laughs> about to accomplish my dream. <laughs> and that actually made me a little bit like arrogant to a certain extent where I started then cutting a few corners. I started cheating myself a little bit, not exercising as much, where I was almost like relishing that I had accomplished it already. Mm -hmm. um, so it took me a little bit longer to expect uh, than expected for that last last little chunk, that last little 10%. Um, but then I would say like in the 13 months before that or 12 months before that, however long it took, um, it was more the day by day. Like I, I don't really look too far ahead or try to like, forecast too much because it, it is a little bit dangerous i do it with my business i don't do it with my trading which is kind of probably how i get like that uh that that out of the way but um what i found was yeah once i felt really confident in my structure once i was able to scale to that sort of 100k and sort of get there then i knew it was just a matter of time as long as i sort of kept to my rules and that's kind of how i gamify it so i, I know that my win rate's 75 percent I target two to one risk reward or better. And I know that at most I'm losing 1% of my account per trade. So if I'm able to stay within those parameters, then there's no reason why I can't accomplish my goals within 500 days, we'll say, right? Two years. And that happened a little bit faster, had some really big gains um, and some really nice trades, right? So it happened a little bit quicker than expected. But once I had the confidence that it was there, then yeah, it, it was like, okay, just a matter of time. And then every time I had a slip up or every time um, I kind of had like that, indecision then that was what i relied on it was like okay michael if you actually want to accomplish this dream then you have to do what's difficult right now to kind of reap the rewards of that later and like i'm trying really hard to sort of still like delay that gratification like this weekend's going to be an absolute blast but that's going to be like a little bit of an outlier right like i, I don't want to um soak in that or like embrace it too much because it's not it's not really the end of the world like i'm it's this is not the end game right like this is just because you've you've hit something or you've accomplished something, I, I don't think this is where I want to stop. Like this isn't this isn't where my dreams sort of end, and so I need to make sure that my hunger is still there, and I'm just going to keep doing that by like sort of like uh, depriving myself a little bit. Like not not like I'm going to live like a crappy life. Like I live really well, <laughs> really comfortably, but I'm not going to be like you're never going to see me flashing lifestyle or doing these kind of things. 
because it's disingenuous and I actually think it hurts me as a trader as much as it hurts um, people who are then following me right, and trying to learn. So it, it isn't, you don't trade for the money. If you trade for the money, then or that's your only reason, then you're going to burn out because you're going to lose more than you can stomach before you get to that sort of breaking point where you can actually start making cash. So for me, it's about the freedom. It's about the sort of lifestyle that I'm able to live with this, the, the sort of opportunity there. And so as long as I'm able to sort of maintain that and find a lot of joy in that, then I think I'll be able to stay pretty present. I have two two comments on that. And for those of you who are diehard Penny Lane Pod fans, I might be misquoting this because I'm remembering it from memory. But I very much think that singles and doubles had a very similar situation. He had a daily goal that he had never beat that much money in. Mm -hmm. He never made that much money in a day. And he didn't tell me how much it was, but he was like getting very, very close to breaking that daily profit. And he would get like right up to it and couldn't do it. And it just became like a joke almost. Like it took him maybe a month of like he got yeah. really close and then it kind of retraced, if you will. Yeah, and it's, then like he... it's messing with you, right? Like yes. it knows what you're trying to do. And then yeah. it's like, not today. Yep. And... He then finally broke it, and then I think the next day, like, broke it and added a, added a significant yeah. amount to it. As soon yeah, it's as like he you broke you find that resistance, resistance in your real life exactly. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's so um, funny how that works. So uh, funny. That's totally the same how it felt. It was like, there was like three times I was at um, like 3K away, <laughs> and then I took a hit, and I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> and I'm back to square one, or like, well, not quite, but like, yeah. gotta get, gotta get back there, and then, yeah, finally on that fourth attempt, I like blasted through it with like an 85% win that was like way past the target, and I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, another comment I had was, you know, I really am a big fan of Kobe Bryant, which mm -hmm. I think can be a little paralyzing. I guess he had some things early in his career. Not everyone's a Kobe Bryant fan. I like Kobe Bryant. I love him. He's a and killer. It, just amazing. Yeah. And I was watching uh, a documentary about him last night that I would very much recommend. It's called The Redeem Team. And it's okay. the U.S. Olympic team in... Beijing, they um, the U.S. Olympic men's basketball team. Yeah, two thousand eight, I think, right? Yes. So the four years before that, they were heavily favored and um, came in third. And it was like they went in being like, "We're the best people in the world. Uh, we're the best at basketball. We invented basketball. We're NBA players." And they got on the field and, or the court, and there were teams that had been playing together and practicing together. For taking it seriously, whatever, yes. right? Yep. And they just got their ass handed to them. Like people were just schooling them because they were well-oiled team. They were taking it seriously. So to go into Beijing, Coach K, who's the longtime Duke coach, yeah. came in to coach the team. And then they brought back a couple of the NBA players. And, um, you know, things were going well, but they went to a tournament and they got bronze in the tournament so they were like we've done everything and we're not quite there so they brought in kobe bryant and people thought that there was going to be a lot of tension between lebron james and kobe bryant who's going to be the alpha kind of thing yes yes and they came in and they thought that they'd been working really hard and kobe bryant was coming in and like diving after balls so they wouldn't go foul he was giving it like 300 mm percent -hmm. in every practice two yeah. years before the olympics like when other people would just let it go or were giving it 80 percent, he was like and then they were living in at the win in vegas while they were training in one night um lebron took the whole team out to a club and so they were all out just like Hanging out at this bottle pub, service, drinking, great bottle time. service, yeah. the whole thing, and came back at five in the or four thirty in the morning, and they were in the lobby 
going for the elevator and the elevator doors open and Kobe was there. And they were like, yo, getting ready for his workout or something. He was going to the gym. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Just incredible. And then LeBron saw that and they, at that time were head and head for who's the best player in the world. And LeBron's like, well, now if I don't have these habits, yeah. Yeah. If I want to beat them, I got to work them. Yeah, so then they got in there, and they're both of them alpha, 4.30 in the morning. Then the whole team comes, and Mm -hmm. they start working at 4.30 in the morning. And um, Kobe Bryant just continually leveled up. Like when you thought he couldn't give more, he gave even more. I know I'm on a tangent, and I don't totally remember why I started the tangent. Um, But I do think that I wanted to just talk about, like, repetition perfect repetition and then just like leveling up in belief in yourself and like putting in those habits mm-hmm. so there's a few things there i think that we can touch on um one like for myself personally i'm like a monkey see monkey do learner so we talked about limiting beliefs previously well the easiest way to shatter a limiting belief is see someone else you don't respect to do something <laughs> right that you thought right. you that you couldn't do. And then when you see someone that you don't like, or you don't really think they're like that impressive, do it. Like, oh shit, if they can do it, why can't I? So it's almost the same thing, right? With that like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James thing, where it's when LeBron sees Kobe busting his ass off and he's like, this is the standard I got to hit. Okay, well now I know what I got to do and I can shatter this limiting belief. And then now I can go be the best player in the world because I've seen what it takes to do, right? And I'm sure to a certain extent, Kobe wasn't happy passing on the mantle, but he was happy that he gave it to like a worthy adversary, right? To a certain, like he he didn't give it to some guy who just like showed up to the gym on, you know, 82 times a a year and put up 40 points a game. Like he put it to a guy, gave it to a guy who outworked him or, you know, was a better athlete or whatever, but he put in the hours actually uh, like required. So I'm sure there was a lot of respect there after that. And maybe that was what created that respect when they maybe didn't have it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would say that would be a, a big thing, but there's also a lot of value in just seeing like a leader, right? Step up and lead. And you can see that a lot in trading. Like if you find the right community, then you can find like that sort of person that can help you sh- like shatter those limiting beliefs and then help you level up, right? Like, so maybe it's someone like Ariel, right? Maybe it's someone like Shark, maybe it's someone like yourself for people. And, and it's all about just finding that correct individual kind of syncs up understands you right but can push you the right way without being like too in your face about it right because it's not like kobe was at the club telling these guys oh you gotta stop right you just i'm just gonna do my own thing i'm gonna focus on me if i focus on me and i do what i do then everyone else will fall into place and he had that extreme belief and he made that happen and so if you can find that same situation get yourself on that dream team then yeah you're gonna learn a lot and you're gonna improve a lot too because you become the average of like the people you spend time with. And it's very much the same thing, I, I think, in all elements of life, sports, trading, school, socially, you become the average. So level up your average, right? Level up your skill set by surrounding yourself by more impressive people. You talked about that with like Anthony, right? How you're like shocked how, how this happens and like you're like thanking your lucky stars. Well, you're leveling up. You're surrounding yourself with more and more impressive traders, right? More and more successful individuals. So like inevitably you're going to find that success because you're learning from them. You're consistently applying the wisdom like that they, they've forgotten more about the markets than most people know, right? And totally. so the, these little nuggets that they drop, that they share with us, you know, that's what you want to absorb and that's what helps you. And the more time you spend around these people, the more you absorb and the more you improve. Totally. But you have to follow their habits, right? Like Anthony or Kobe or myself, right? We show what these good discipline is, right? We show what good trading is. We show what is. And if you don't have to follow it, right? You don't have to follow these same principles. But if you do, that's the blueprint for you to then level up. You can try to find a more difficult, different way, but go to the gym, learn what you need to learn, take your two years worth of lumps, but then you're going to win that gold medal when it actually comes down to that opportunity. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be like this instant process where you all of a sudden have the skill set required to go from trading a $1,000 account to a million dollar account. And uh, it, it's, it takes time to learn the skill set required to actually get there. And so, you know, it, it's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be, but that's where the work is. And without putting in that work, you're never actually going to have the confidence in your skills to get there in the first place. So it is like a, a situation where you got to like walk before you can run. And that always starts with sort of those good discipline habits, right? So if you're not journaling your trades, 
start journaling your trades right away, right? If you're not following your proper risk management, right? Well, you know what the answer is going to be if you keep doing that, right? You're going to keep blowing up. You're going to keep having a bad relationship with your brokerage account. So if you want to be able to withdraw money, you want to be able to pay off your family's loans, you want to be able to do whatever, well, you know what you have to do. So now it's time to step up and accomplish those objectives. They're not that hard. They just take a little bit of actually like conscious thinking. And when you start to think that way, then your trading will instantly transform. Think about how much better the worst player on that Olympic team got from the start of when they started training for the Olympics and then they brought Kobe in and then they won the gold. Think of the arc that that Mm -hmm. player must have made just by being in the same room, being on the same team as Kobe Bryant. And then all the personal accolades that came with that, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you're a better player, and now you're an all-star. Now you're getting a max contract deal, right? Now you're making five times more than you were as a rookie, right? And all of a sudden, all those little things compound because you made that good, positive decision in the first place to drop the bottle service, right, to actually focus on what's important and to get into the gym when it's time to focus. And it's not that these guys don't have fun, not that they didn't enjoy themselves outside of it, but their foundation was in that discipline, in that hard work, and they rewarded themselves for that. But they didn't do it the other way around. They didn't think like they made it already because that had already been proven, right, to hold them back. So they had to reset their thinking, and it's the same way as a trader. You have to reset your thinking to be, okay, how can I change everything or how can I change my life to achieve those goals. We talked about how trading is like an all-encompassing thing. Well, that's what being all-in as a trader is, right? Is making that decision that I'm unwilling to give this up as a career, that I'm going to make this happen, and then getting your actions to just match those beliefs, right? Match those words. And if you can make that, then your success will be inevitable. It won't happen tomorrow, won't happen immediately, but you will make it inevitable, and that's really all you can ask for as a trader. On that... I think we're finished. I I mean, inspiring as always. If you guys have not heard Michael's, uh, you, have you been on once or twice? Uh, this is my second time now. Okay. If you have not heard his first episode with his background in trading, please do go back in the archives and listen to that. That was a phenomenal um, episode. It's not that common that I finish an episode of the podcast and thought like, this is going to go down as like a cult uh favorite Hmm. and i truly believe that i think this was thank you for bringing your honesty and your wisdom and your knowledge and your insight and sharing it with us i really really appreciate it well i appreciate you you matching my energy it's not (laughs) always easy being like vulnerable and talking about things that are like taboo for some people but um i'm not a i'm not embarrassed by my mental health we all have our ups and downs so just for anyone who's listening, please get the help you need. My DMs are always open. I'm sure Blaine's are as well. If you ever need any help, if you ever need someone to talk to, if you're struggling with your trading, you are not alone. So please don't ever feel like you are. There are a lot of options and there's a lot of help out there for you. So please don't ever do anything silly. Totally. Agreed. Seconded. All right. Oh, would you look at that? Anthony's calling me. I'm going to end this. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a good day. You too. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.